You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Discourse number 25 with Sujad Ayyub and Sheikh Ibrahim Skatema. Today's discourse is about love. The whole story of the existence is a story of love. What are we to understand from this? Mm. Um, there's several, I think there's several um, sort of perspectives that one can uh, pursue to kind of understand this thing. The one is that the, the, without making any assumptions based on what we've been exposed to by from on you know textually um uh, you know if you if you consider the the um the, the multiplicity of things and the complexity of that multiplicity and um you know uh, the the way in which this this multiverse of phenomena has been allowed to go out and become itself that surely speaks of the most immense generosity of spirit i mean it's a, and it, it speaks of an immense overflowing of beneficence um, you know, you could imagine that if this were to be, if this was the product of a human being that, uh, that who would just so absolutely ceaselessly and with immense creativity just constantly pour out more and more stuff, uh, uh, create more, you know, this, this, this sense of overflowing has to come from a place of fullness that we can only experience or describe as love. Um, mm. Because one of the ways that one can describe the, uh, you know, what is the antonym of love? Well, I mean, we could, one of the ways of understanding the, an, the antonym of love is, is, is kind of an emptiness. You know, love is a fullness of heart, is a generosity of spirit, then, then, then the opposite of love must be an emptiness of heart and a paucity of spirit and so if you just look around you and you see how 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 full the world is with an immense overflowing you know from the design that's implicit in an ant to the design that's implicit in a tree to the um you know just the way in which the universe is constructed and how all things are put together to make life viable and then one has to assume that sitting behind us is an immense fullness, an immense um, uh, uh, overflowing. Um, and I think it is appropriate to refer to that as love. Um, another way of understanding uh, love um, is one always understands things by antonyms. That's a good way to start. So another way of uh, describing love is that uh, it is the, the, the inverse of love could be described as hate. 
love and hate is something that we'd like to make a binary opposite of. And so, so what are all the things that are implicit in hate? Well, it's, it's separation. Uh, it is alienation. It is um, uh, trivialization. Oh, I use you are so beneath me. You know, the, the, um, and, and so love is the opposite of all of that. And why is it necessary that the opposite of all of that should be the cornerstone of being, the cornerstone of existence? Uh, I think is apparent when, um, you know, even in the most simple design, no, no, a person, and obviously the only other rational being that we have immediate access to is other human beings, so, so, or, or conscious being. So, um, so if I, no person would deliberately set out to produce something that they think is demeaned or, or, or trivial. Um, you know, uh, when people, uh, at least they'll, all, all, all human beings love their creatures. They, 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 they consider them worthy, otherwise they wouldn't have brought in the attention to make them. So that love should be at the, the root of this creational story, I think is, makes sense to me. Um, uh, also that, that, uh, uh, the, uh, that the opposite of, you know, what, that alienation is, um, is, uh, is, is kind of its antonym because it's one of the, the impl implicit kind of significances of hate. Well, I mean, if um, alienation has to, by definition, be uh, an illusion. I mean, it's like, how can you, to be alien, alienated is to be apart from. But how can you be apart from that which is everywhere? So in that sense, alienation has to be illusory, which means that love is the, 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 the truth and alienation is the illusion. Separation is the illusion. Oneness is the truth, um, the sense of separation and multiplicity and, 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 and a divergence. That's an illusion. It's a beautiful illusion. There's nothing wrong with the illusion because, in fact, even that illusion itself is uh, is part of the story of love because, you know, because he himself said of himself that he created because he loved to be known, um, which is, is is saying that he made what is apparent other than him so that he can be rediscovered. And the, the, the being which is most apparently other than him is the human being. Because we are, we, we have, we've got this dual nature. We have this thing which is clearly a creature. We are, we are puny. We are not particularly viable. I mean, if you, you, we die easily. You know, we're, we're, we're these small, these tiny little creatures holding our little fists out at existence, you know. So, but at the same time, we can create extraordinary stuff. So we have the whole range. We're the demeaned and the elevated. We're the opposite of him, you know. So why did he make us the opposite, this, this being which 
In fact, even the angels were aghast at when he made us. They said, don't you realize what you're doing? I mean, you know, the, these creatures are going to create mischief in the world. And he said, well, I know that which you don't. So, so, and then he made us. So what did he know? He knew that this thing, which is apparently, which has a capacity to immense evil, uh, a capacity to immense opposite of love, will rediscover love in the fullness of time. So he made us to be alienated, to come back to him. So from every point of view, the entire creational story has to be a story of love. In the first instance, in the big picture, the creational story of the multiverse, of all of the things that are out there and the, the creation of myriad things, that would not be possible if there wasn't an overflowing beneficence that sat behind it all, which means that it's, it is, its nature is, is, its source is love. Um, also, that a place of other than a place of separation, which is what we consider to be one of the, um, one of the significance or antonyms of love being hate, separation, that, um, that's, that that's logically impossible. There's no place where he is not. But then finally, even in our illusory state of separation, that is also a story of love, because that is the way whereby he discovers himself, whereby he, he is known. Um, you know, you don't know a thing if you're pickled in it. It's like the fish don't understand that they're in water. You know, you, they, they, you only know a thing when you stand apart from it. And so if you're pickled in this oneness, this unified sense of being, and this sort of connectedness with all things, then you're not going to know that you, you're not going to know firsthand experientially um, this thing, because it's, 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 it's part of the backdrop of your being. How do you know it is because you're taken out of it. Alienation, you suffered that alienation. Now you know when you come back. Now you know the value. You know, metaphor for this is our experience of, um, <clears throat> of, of good health. Um, if you, on a routine basis, reflect on things that you, you could be grateful for. I mean, um, just something as simple as the fact that you could digest the ruti that you had for supper last night into the ability to be conscious now and give me attention. That's the most stupendous thing. I mean, the chemistry of that is stupendous. I mean, it's the most unbelievable behind that. But the problem is you're not aware of that. I mean, you just take it for granted. And I mean, that's just the turning of the routine into the ability to be awake. I mean, what about all the other... So in fact, we are, we are floating on a sea of blessing the... the most of it we're completely not conscious of. So how do we make you conscious of the fact that you should be really grateful for the ability to turn your ruti into blood, into blood sugar so that you can give me attention? Well, let's give you diabetes. Then suddenly you realize, hold on, 
This is quite a job, this managing that translation of the Ruti into the ability to be awake. This is not a simple matter. This requires me to stick needles in my arm and all sorts of horrible things. So in, in other words, it is only once you've lost the thing that you recognize what it is. You see, so, so I mean, we take our good health absolutely for granted. You know, I mean, you get a person who's a um, complete uh, unbeliever, complete kafir, doesn't believe that there's such a thing as a god, thinks this is all just Darwinian accents, you know, um, and, and uh, it, you know, kind of until they get a dreaded disease, a cancer or whatever, and then suddenly they realize, but hold on, you know, there's all of these things that I took for granted that I couldn't manage. Because if I say that there isn't a God, it means I can manage the affair, I can manage the affair of my life. Well, actually, apparently, but only apparently. You know, so, so your life is, is floating on a sea of blessing, a sea of things that have bequeathed, been bequeathed to you completely unconditionally. I mean, that's another attribute of love, the ability to give, to give away, completely unconditionally given. Hmm? But because it's so unconditional, you don't even know that it's there. And you only discover it's there when you, it's taken away, when it's lost. And so our experience of suffering, and suffering by definition is all a subset of, of being alienated, being separated from, feeling under threat, being compromised. All of that is, is, is the tool, is the pathway that allows us to rediscover the just the 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 how much we've been given. Mm. So, I think it's quite appropriate to describe the whole of existence to be a story of love, to be the story of the most immense love, and that that uh, and which also then suggests that the study of illusion of that seems to be but isn't would be a study of hate. To traffic in hate is to traffic in illusion. And are we to understand that at some point, all of us, no matter how intelligent or how clever we have to give up and surrender and give up our design for our life. Well, I think that has to be true. I mean, even people who do, so I've worked with a number of executives in my life who have, um, who've apparently made it, who were very successful. Mm. And, um, while they were congratulating themselves on their success, it is just a question of time. The catastrophe was at hand. Um, they'd either have, have a dreaded disease, they'd go through a horrendous divorce, um, the business that they were running, that they were running so well and so capably got bought by new owners, and they ended up working for a boss who actually thought they were an idiot. And this, uh, this illusion of capability came crashing down around their ears. There's, a, there, I mean, you, there's literally an infinite number of ways in which, a, uh, you know, a golden career can come crashing down. You know? 
And it is those people who congratulate themselves that their golden career was the product of their own ingenuity. Those are the ones who careers come, at some point come crashing down. And if they don't come crashing down, then retirement for those people is an unspeakable nightmare because that's an introduction to complete meaninglessness. So, so, so even those who are most demonstrably capable will discover that in fact, this is not the case. Um, the opposite of that is in my experience of working with people um, in, in sort of senior positions in organizations, very senior people, is that those who recognize that they have what they have because they've been privileged, they haven't earned it. Hmm. It's not the intelligence that's produced this. They were privileged, partly they were privileged by whatever they, they brought into the business. I mean, maybe they brought uh, some capable, some, some capability, some skill, but they, 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 they don't even arrogate that to themselves. They arrogate, they, they assign that, they ascribe that to what has been bequeathed to them, you know? And when they're in the business, they also minimize the contribution that they've made. They have the capacity to recognize the contribution of everybody else in the business. And because they have that magnanimity of spirit, they cultivate people in the business who are loyal to them. And that's lo that loyalty produces the robustness of the business. So, so it is when the person then surrenders their idea that they're in charge and they can make it all happen. And they subordinate themselves to the possibility of the being a higher order um, uh, plan that they would then participate in realizing, but aren't the masters of. That's when the enterprise is basically in safe hands. There's nothing that kills enterprises quicker than the, the hubris of leaders. And there's nothing that's healthier for enterprises than the humility of leaders. So that just goes to demonstrate that we are here to forego our plans. And the more clever we think we are, the more dangerous our plans are both to ourselves and others. You know, and the, the last thing, thing you can trust is, is a human being that kind of, who sort of has the stiffening of the spine and the sort of flaring of the nostrils saying, well, I know what needs to be done. And, you know, um, those people very often end up uh, making wreckage of both themselves and of the lives around them. Um, uh, and also, um, they will be brought low. I mean, you see, the issue is that surely every the final outcome of every life is death. Mm. So, explain to me what the attributes of a successful corpse are. I mean, that that's a bizarre notion. There's nothing about a corpse is so unsuccessful it can't even get out of bed to go to the toilet. It is finished. It is done. In other words, you're not, you're not, mm. this ending isn't triumphal. It is not a, a, a standing on the mountaintop with a heroic pose and a flag. It is the opposite. It's being carted off to a hole in the ground where people walk away and leave you. I mean, what kind of a model of success is that? You know, so and, and so, and if it wasn't for the fact that um, 
this this was the final truth of our lives and we wouldn't spend so much time trying to anesthetize ourselves against it and try and avoid the matter like it's like not good party conversation you know um nobody likes to be reminded of the closeness and the proximity of death but it's precisely the proximity of death that is the final witness the incontrovertible witness to the fact that you are not here to be in charge you are not here to take charge you're here to be laid low you're not here to triumph you're here to be overcome no human being triumphs into perpetuity every human being will be overcome it has happened to the prophets it'll happen to us no human being has dodged that problem so to have this uh, idea that you are the final arbiter and the judge and uh, you you're in charge of your life and you have all of these grand plans um uh, you know that's just uh, that's just completely naive um it's you haven't mm. lived very long if you try to convince yourself of that all that you have to do is go and visit your local cemetery i mean but go to a place where they they do um they do have the habit of writing things on tombstones you know <laughs> because in south africa muslim cemeteries are about as uh, as uninteresting as they get you know but uh so in turkey you've got interesting um, cemeteries you know these kind of these pillars with these turbans on top and lots of writing so you go to any cemetery you see all the stories on there and i the, i mean actually those people are completely anonymous whatever's written on that piece of stone mm. is there's nobody there to recognize what they're actually saying here i mean we put on my mm. my late father's tombstone here lies yorin alberskaitma a soldier and a miner and then his date of birth and date of death but i mean i don't know anybody walks past us and go okay that's interesting but they probably wouldn't even know what war he served in they certainly wouldn't have known what kind of contribution he made and minor what the hell, you know i mean what does that mean was he was he did he manage mines did he was he a, a laborer was he you know you know uh, how long you know so it, it's it's actually just it's his life has actually passed like water has gone under the bridge it has now been swept off and this little scarifying that we've put on a piece of granite in this miserable little cemetery in the west uh, in in the northwest province of south africa is is it's beyond a caricature just absolutely no description so in other words this man who died in his late 70s who worked underground for 42 years um the 14th the second world war went to north africa went to italy that entirely entire account is gone it is finished so how 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 in charge of he was he of the affair uh um you know so uh, it's uh, uh just go visit a local cemetery and try and reconstruct the stories the lies just from what you see on the on the tombstones not possible those lives are gone and i mean that my father died in 80 in 86 so this is comparatively recent 
So what about a yeah. lot that was of a century prior to that? I mean, then I mean, if these, I mean, in fact, your own ancestors have jobs on. If you walk past of your, if one of your ancestors came back from the dead today and walked past you in the street, this person would, you'd be a direct line of descent from the person you wouldn't recognize them. You wouldn't know who they were. They'd be a complete stranger. They've bequeathed you their genetics. You don't know them. That, that's how gone their lives are. Mm. So this idea that we can make it work, that we're in charge, that is just completely bizarre. Completely, completely bizarre. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, one of the things that we try and be in charge of is the assets, you know, the kind of the wealth and the, the sort of, uh, we think, you know, if I can own it, I can manage it, I can got it under my hands, like I can own the property. And then we're reminded of that beautiful um, um, uh, Australian Aboriginal quote, somebody I heard from somebody, somebody, you know, all land disputes of two fleas arguing who the dog belongs to. And that's who we are. That's our disputes and our arguments. You know, we're, we are fleas belonging who this dog belongs to. We are fleas arguing rather who this dog belongs to. You know, uh, mm -hmm. This dog of this planet that we're all. Uh, uh. And by the way, this dog probably thinks increasingly a little bit of an uncomfortable infestation and needs to do something about us. Maybe that's why we got COVID. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> 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 very good idea. <laughs> uh, maybe COVID is like uh, the equivalent of uh, planetary flea powder. <laughs> I think so. I absolutely do think so. Mm -hmm. And if it was still here, does that, if we're still here, does that mean that we still have to fulfill our purpose? And those well, that I think pass... this is true. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, finish. What, what do you want to say? I was going to say, and those that, who pass on, have they fulfilled their purpose? Well, okay, so the, so to the first, I think is true. I don't think the second is true. Right, right. I, so let me deal with the first one first. I think we are, our lives comprom, com, comprise two core moments, two core elements. There's what we, how we see, there's what we see, there's our witnessing part of our life, and there's our, mm -hmm. our, our what we do, the active part of our life, the action part of our life, yeah. right? Um, and right. Uh, this, the, so, uh, and the, you can describe all of our actions like walking up a pass, up a, uh, up a mountain, in order to mm -hmm. de deliver us to a place where we can look out and see his, his universe and be enthralled. Um, uh, and so if we haven't died yet, then, um, then uh, we, uh, we're still walking up the pass. That in fact, we only get to the viewing point uh, on the last moment. I mean, that's, so everything that our whole life builds up to that possibility. However, the second part of that, um, 
Uh, I do think we can die not having arrived at our viewing point because we've squand squandered the journey. I do think that's possible. I do think we can die with regret. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. And on that note, thank you so much. Salaamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Salaam wa Rahmatullah. Listeners, you are listening to Millennium Discourses. We will be back tomorrow with another topic. We would like to thank Etsko Skatema. Till tomorrow, Allah Hafiz from us all.